0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast.
1: My name is Jason Schuster, and I'm the co-founder and head of finance and business development for Bad Panda Game Studios. Um, And uh, Bad Panda Game Studios, we've been around for about... Oh, a little over three, almost three years, and we have put out a couple of small games and uh, nothing, uh, nothing to write home about just yet. But uh, we've got uh, we've got a, a pretty big project we've been working on for a little over a year now, and uh, we do we do think that that one's going to be pretty exciting. So that's me in a in a, in a very very short nutshell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's good. That's awesome. It was interesting when I looked into the uh, Bad Panda Studios. I was like, "Oh wow!" I thought you were just like you know finance, but no, you do all the uh, you do that for the Bad Panda too, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, so for Bad Panda, what I do is I I handle all the finances. Um, I I talk with investors and and uh, and things like that nature, and then I also do a lot of the business development. So. Um, you will, you will see my face out there talking about Bad Panda more than you will like the CEO or uh, any of the development guys. And uh, but yeah, it's, I, I love it, man. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I love the game industry. And Bad Panda has a great culture. So I'm, I, I love what I do.
0: And did you go to college for that?
1: I did. I did. So uh, I went to Brigham Young University. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up finishing at the Idaho campus. And I studied business management with a finance emphasis. So finance was kind of always the goal, but I, I love business. So I knew that it had to be a business focused degree, but I wanted to make sure that it, you know, that finance was kind of the, the specialty, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but not accounting. I'm not an accountant. I, I mean, I, I can do the, I, <laughs> I, I do the accounting. It's part of the job, but um, really there's so much more that I love doing. So uh, if I get stuck behind a desk doing nothing but accounting, I have, I have failed,
0: <laughs> oh really? Yeah. No, no. My dad does accounting, and that's not a. He says not a very fun, fun job.
1: It's it's not. It's necessary, and mm-hmm. it uh, it has its you know it has its rewarding sides. But um, you know, I gotta be honest. There's a lot of things in the gaming industry that are a lot more exciting than yeah, just, yeah.
0: Your- just like, you know, maybe <laughs> character art or animation. It could be. Oh yeah. Be a little uh, more well, fun.
1: <laughs> it's more fun, and I mean. I find myself just I, I get to meet a lot of really cool people. Like I said, you know, the business development is mostly things like, you know, finding partnerships and and uh, and you know, working with third parties and finding investors and you know, doing stuff like this and that's just kind of getting the brand awareness out there. I love that. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Again, especially especially in this space because there, like, there's some industries where there's like a lot of, I don't know, like really rigid people, but gaming. No, man. Mm, just, no, it's, there's just cool people everywhere. I love it.
0: Just cool people, cool games, cool ideas going around. Oh, yeah. And with the whole VR, AR stuff, it's going to be crazy what happens. I agree. I agree. So did you always know you wanted to do finance? And
1: <sighs> That's a great question, man. Um, the answer to that is no. I did not know that I always wanted to do finance. So there was a time when I was in high school where I thought I wanted to be a doctor, and there was a time in early college where I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And then, uh, I actually ended up, uh, I ended up putting school on hold for a little while and, uh, started a couple of just small businesses, mostly in insurance. And then one day I discovered finance in the course Mm -hmm. of just having to try, trying to evolve my, my business. I discovered finance and that was specifically, I discovered investments, but then investments led me down a path of of also corporate finance and then i fell in love Mm. and so that's where uh i actually i didn't i didn't know that i really that finance was the calling until probably four years ago almost five years ago but yeah i kind of kind of pivoted mid-career and i'm so glad that i did because it's it's definitely taken me to places that were a lot more exciting than Mm -hmm. where i was going before
0: and how did you know that that was like the thing was it like one moment or you like Were you just like, you know what? Uh, I'm really good at this. Let me do this for (laughs)
1: Um, so so for me, I mean, there was I would say there's more like two moments. So there was one moment where I took I took a look at at my at my business and I took a look at um I actually I actually I left my business to to do a a short internship with State Farm. And State Farm allowed me to kind of blend the rest of the business side that I was doing, but also adding in the financial aspect of it. And when I discovered that, when I when I started really diving into that as part of that internship, I realized that I liked the, the finance stuff way more than I liked any of the other things I was doing. And so there was, a, there was definitely a clear moment where I said, nah, I, I don't wanna do this other stuff. I, I need to be in finance. And then there was a moment when I, I, left, I, I left that, I actually, I left my, the, the business behind. I, I joined up with a wealth management firm to try and really pursue that passion and there was a moment where we were doing uh, we were doing a uh, a case for somebody that was about to sell their business for like like a hundred million dollars or something mm-hmm. like that, and my uh, one of my partners looked across at me. He said, "Man, we're in the wrong business, aren't we?" And he was kidding, but I looked at everything we were looking at and I said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are in the wrong business. I don't want to be managing these people's investments. I I want to be out there doing this stuff." And so that was when I made a decision. Like I wanted to I wanted to find a way to combine my entrepreneurial nature with my skills in finance. And I kid you not, uh, KB, a month and a half, maybe two months later, Brandon Myers, who's the CEO of Bad Panda Games, calls me up and says, hey, man, so I'm putting together a game company where we, we're going to make games and uh, I need a CFO. And my, my, my initial reaction was, well, let me let me pull out my my uh, my address book. I'll, I'll make a couple calls. Let me see if I can find somebody. He goes, no 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 no. I want you, can I want you to be my CFO? Will you will you start a game company with me?
0: <laughs> what? Is he like a friend of yours or he just randomly called yeah, you? Yeah yeah he okay. and I not,
1: he and I had known each other for a while and I mean I would say that before that when we we were we were friends but we weren't like real tight. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just kind of reconnected and I knew that he was a businessman he knew I was a businessman and it just, when he when made that decision hey, I'm going to start a game company he called me up and yeah, again, I, it just went right over my head I thought that he wanted me to help find him a CFO and he's like, I don't know, I need a co-founder and I need a CFO and I need it to be you because it's got to be you and I, was, and I was like yeah, let's do it had he, had he called three months before that I probably would have said no but I had had that moment, like you said, like I had that moment where I had decided, I'm doing this wrong. This is not fulfilling. I'm doing stuff that I enjoy, but I'm not doing it in a way that is really fulfilling. And mm-hmm. so then, man, the rest is history. So and that's beautiful <laughs> here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's so great. Just, yeah.
0: So for um, like game Did TV students or anyone in game development who. Feels like they're stuck, and let's say they're learning and programming, but then they try out 3D modeling, and they're like, "Wow, I'm really good at this, and this is more exciting." Like, what would you tell them to anybody who's like stuck in a situation where they could choose another option?
1: That's a, that's actually a great question. So um, that actually happens all the time, and it yeah. happens at our studio. We've had several people who they came to us as one thing, and then as they get exposed to more parts of the business, they pivot. They realize, "Yo, you know, I'm actually I'm okay at this." But I actually really love something else. So my, my advice to those people would be, if you're still really early in the career and you find something else that you really love, make the pivot. Give it a shot. Really try it. Because the game industry, while, while being it's a fun industry, it's interesting, there's cool people, um, there's also kind of an ugly side to it, which is that a a lot of the game companies, and, I, and I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the bigger studios that have been around a long time, they tend to chew up and spit out developers. Mm. <laughs> um, it's brutal. Oh, yeah. It is and really So good. if you're going to get chewed up and spit out, you might as well be doing something that you actually love. Um, now, if you're if you're like mid-career and you've been doing something for a really long time and you're really good at it, but you find something else that you like, I would say find a way to do that on the side until you're good enough to pivot. Because it's going to be really tough to start over, if that makes sense.
0: No, um, I, I
1: agree. In you know, in the game industry, you know, in, experience is the thing. Now, at Bad Panda Game Studios, we do it a little bit different. We tend to hire fresh out of college or even interns in college because we want to kind of give people their first start. And give them that experience so that they can potentially get the jobs, you know, at the bigger studios. That, you know, again, smaller studios can't can't keep up with the pay scale of some of the bigger studios, right? But yeah. we would lo- we love giving people that experience, getting it on their resume, and then helping them get uh, help them get something else. So we've had several people that have left us for big studios. One guy, uh, really early on, he ended up getting recruited to Bioware. I mean, Ooh, and this was like. Awesome. Maybe It was only like six months out of graduation, which is unheard of. But it was because he had been working with us. And Mm. so they he had he had some experience. So so Bioware was like, well, you have some experience somewhere else. So, yeah, we'll we'll take you. And it was only like a year later. He actually ended up getting recruited by 343. So now he's working on the new Halo game. Living his dream. Yeah, I think he graduated less than two years ago. So like we it's. And he he kind of stuck with it, but we have some other people who had started in one place and pivoted to something else. Um, our our creative director uh, Chris Wrestler, who is I mean, he's world class world class talent. He didn't start off as a uh, as a designer. Right? He started off as as just a two D artist. But now I I mean I honestly believe he's one of the best three D artists out there, and he can also program and he can also uh, he can also design and he can also do two D art. So. I, I think it's good to try several things and find that thing that you're really passionate about and also that you're really good at. You can be mm-hmm. super passionate about something, but unless, you've got, unless you're good at it too, it's, you know, it's going to be tough to, to do it for a living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I love it, but like, yeah, your work, can't cut it. Can't cut it, but I mean, I, the, there's a great market for people who can do more than one skill. So yeah. if you can do more than one thing, there's I mean, especially in the startup space, Startups need people that can wear more than one hat. So mm-hmm. if you if you do have those skills and you find oh I'm really passionate about this, keep up on the old skills because yeah. it might actually help you get a better job than just being a one trick pony. If that makes sense.
0: No, that so. makes sense. I agree. And so then, yeah. did you always want to be in the game development industry?
1: No, that's another one, man. I I didn't know. You I, didn't? I oh wow. I had no idea because it was one of those things where. Um I would say my my career has been very unconventional. I I actually I there was like I told you I, when I was in high school I kind of wanted to be a doctor and then when I first started school I kind of wanted to be a mechanical engineer and then I took a break for a while and actually the very first thing that I did after kind of stepping away from school was I worked in the fitness industry. Really? And I and that's what I thought. I thought that was it. Like, I'm going to be in the fitness industry. I'm going to do, like, do like I'm going to I'm going to do like personal training and I'm going to do, you know, uh, I want to try and open up a supplement store. And um, it just didn't work out. It didn't. It just didn't work out. Uh, I still love that stuff. I still had a real passion for it, but it just didn't work out. And so then I ended up in, like I said, insurance and I had a couple of insurance businesses that that went pretty well. And then it wasn't until Brandon called me one day and said, Do "You want to get into the gaming industry," and I had always loved gaming, mm-hmm. and my my wife is a huge gamer, and I was just wait, could I actually have a career in the gaming industry? You're like, no way! I, I, I hadn't thought of it, <laughs> and now I mean, honestly, it's exci- like now that the that I've been here for a while and and I'm learning about it, and the, the deeper that I go, this is absolutely the place that I want to be now I, I there's some other tech spaces that i i have interest in like uh you know again being in finance i i have i find myself drawn to fintech pretty hard not necessarily mm-hmm. like cryptocurrency and stuff like that but more on the software side but nothing out there is exciting as as it is as exciting as gaming and esports mm-hmm. and so now i can't see myself anywhere else but mm-hmm. back then it wasn't even on the radar like i just didn't that's insane
0: <laughs> wow Who would have thought, like, oh, yeah, I work in a game development industry. Didn't really want it, but here it is, and it's the best thing I could ever ask for.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So now, I mean, for me, I I spend a lot of my time evangelizing the the industry a little bit. Just um, anybody that I can, I talk to them about the exciting opportunities that are happening. What kind of, you know, It's you don't have to just be able to make games to be in the game space. Look at me. I'm not a developer. I cannot develop at all. I can't program, I can't, I I mean Have you tried I can, to uh, I mean, like, SQL <laughs> 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 like, like, doing, like, database stuff But, <laughs> um, no Like, serious programming? No, I haven't um, I, I will say, uh, Chris Ressler beg, You know, bugs me every week uh, To try to learn Adobe Photoshop And to learn how to program So, I'm sure it'll happen someday um, But my, my point is that the industry needs people that have skills that are not just development. Mm-hmm. They need people who know who understand finance. They need people who understand sales, business development. They need it needs people that understand, you know, uh, just soft skills, right? Relationship building, that kind of thing. There's a huge need for that in the industry. So, you know, people who want to be in the game industry, you don't necessarily have to know how to make games. There's actually there's a huge part of the industry that just needs. Overall business people, people who just understand how to run a business. There's a lot of fantastic game developers out there who are really bad at running a business.
0: And no, because I've seen of
1: that, that oh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you have. And because of that, the world has been deprived of some truly great games. I believe that. There's know? also
0: lots of uh, studios about marketing. And I've seen a lot Ooh. of indie yep. games or just small games that... Nobody's ever seen. I, this is Instagram that posts about like all these small games. They're beautiful. They're incredible. I'm like these games. Everybody should be playing them, but nobody knows about them. They only get like a few thousand views, and they're lost in the realm of all the games.
1: It's true, man. Discoverability is a huge problem mm-hmm. uh, in the industry, and yes, some marketing. So, you know, I would tell anyone who has a real passion for video games, take your skills and find a way to leverage them. If you, if this is a space you really want to be in. Mm-hmm. there's tons of opportunity i mean in fact there's there's opportunity in the space not even just making games but support businesses that support mm-hmm. gaming companies localization let's say that you're let's say your only skill is that you know a bunch of languages there's a huge market for that just translating games for other countries because it's a global right. market it's not just mm-hmm. the u.s so yeah that would be you know let's Advice that I would give to anyone who wants to get into the industry is look at your skills take a hard look at your skills And then see where that might apply in the industry because it's not just it's not just one thing
0: mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's amazing advice and It also shows that for any game that TV students or anyone else out there that you don't have to just learn the, the Skills like programming and 3d modeling. There's so much more like producer manager Everything else in between to become part of the game development industry Absolutely. And then so like for instance, you do finances. If somebody wanted to start doing finance for a game company, where should they go to learn? School, online resources, books, YouTube?
1: That's a great question. So so I'm gonna give you two answers. So if you want to get a job at a big company, they'll almost exclusively look for a degree. So Mm -hmm. if you're if you're early enough in your career, right, you're 18, 19, and you're trying to figure this out, when you're in school, either get like a minor In a a financial field or like you could do what I did, which is you major in business and and get an emphasis in in finance. But you need to be able to demonstrate to again to to the people that review resumes that you at least have some formal education in that area. But if you are if you're okay getting started near the bottom like a startup or something like that, I mean, there is endless resources online for as far as books as you know youtube videos uh podcasts that can teach you everything that you need to know finance is actually not terribly difficult it's just it's it's hard to get started because it is it can be boring um i've always i've always loved numbers and so when i when i finally did really discover what finance was it it was a natural attraction for me but you know, some people, some people might struggle with numbers. And so it might take a little bit of extra effort. And so that's kind of where having, having the formal education helps because a lot, most of your professors are, you know, they're able to help work through those issues. But so does, if that makes sense, yeah. So there, if, you're, if you're okay getting started at a small studio or doing some things on your own or doing a podcast on on, ga- on finance and gaming, don't need to get a degree for that. But if you do want to work at one of the big guys, Activision, Bioware, Riot—that that degree is going to weed people out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing that they look at. It's just like having a—you know—wanting to to go there for game development. If you didn't go to school for game development in some way, shape, or form, or at least computer science, it, it's almost impossible to get a job at one of the big guys, mm-hmm. That's because that's that's how they filter their applications. You know, no, that but makes they literally run it through a program. <laughs> it doesn't even get looked at by a person. So, so there's you know there there's precedents for both.
0: Okay. And when you guys were doing uh, Bad Panda Studios at the beginning, was it like a beginning studio or was it already established?
1: It was brand new. So, um, in fact, it was it was one of those things where um, Brandon uh, knew a few other people that he had gone to school with, and they had uh, they had done a capstone project together. And the the capstone went so well that they actually ended up going to the Golden Joystick Awards for their game documentation, and they they took top three. Now they only announced the 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 first place uh the first place, but they were they were one of the two runner ups, and that was Golden Joystick Awards. I mean that's a huge that's a huge event, and so they kind of already had established synergy, and they had established you know track record like at least some validation to the skill level of the group, and that was the that was what started bad panda and you know i i i came in and not everybody was in the same place in fact still not everybody's in the same place and we literally started the the studio using google hangouts (laughs) and google drive no way (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what we did and uh We worked really hard at it i mean we would we would just hop on hop in google hangouts at like you know the beginning of the work day and we would just kind of stay in the call all day while we while we worked on what needed to be worked on and uh eventually we figured out that we didn't have to all be in the call to get work done and some of us like myself i I don't i actually don't work well when i'm like like talking through things Uh, yeah Yeah, like like i i I need silence like i like you know I like, put on like noise cancelling uh, headphones and stuff like that, and, and I work best that way, but uh, you know, some of our guys, they, they work best when they're like talking through problems and, and making it happen. So, uh, but that's how we got started. Now we eventually moved it to Discord. and I, I would say, you know, that was a big change for us. That, that made it, that made it a lot a lot easier. Uh, Discord was a fant- is a fantastic tool mm-hmm. for people getting started. And it allowed us to have people in Alabama, Texas, and you know Florida, all working together towards one thing, you know. And today we still have people all over the place. We even have someone in Wyoming, of all places. Really? But yeah, that's so random. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Se- Seattle, Wyoming, a um, couple people in the Carolinas, a ton, a lot of people in Florida. We have the most people over in Florida, kind of over. Florida. By- well, that's, that's actually a super easy question, and that is, is that all of the really good game design uh, programs, college programs, are all in Florida, mm. which is the Art Institute in Tampa, and you've got Full Sail University, and then there's a couple other schools, uh, FIA. Um, they're more a master's program, but FIA is out there. So Florida kind of has a, a leg up on most of the other states as far as game design programs go. I know that there's a few in Los Angeles, but, um, the ones in Florida really stand out. So just by, just by geography, we just ended yeah. up having a lot of people that came out of Florida. I'm still, I'm still in Texas and, uh, I'm over in the Austin area. And then, uh, Brandon's actually down here in Houston, which I'm, I'm in Houston today. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, um, so that's, that's how we got started. I mean, we were just, we were six people and now we're like 25.
0: Wow and you guys do remote right so not everybody has to be remote. together. That's beautiful that's
1: right wow. it, it's, it has its challenges but for the most part the the quality of life for most people is worth it again because we can some some people work really well at two in the morning yeah not me but some people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I work best at like you know eight eight, eight or 9 a.m mm-hmm. in the morning like a normal work day. But some of our guys, they do their best work in the middle of the night. And so that remote atmosphere allows people to really work at their peak um, and have some flexibility. I'm, I'm married. I have kids. And so that remote uh, office allows me some flexibility with my family to mm-hmm. get the work done, but not necessarily have to just sit in the office from 9 to 5. So there, there, will be, there will be a day where we'll need to have a bigger office, and a lot of people will have to be there together working on things, you know, being able to, you know, do things quickly. But I still foresee an, a, a way for most of what we do to be remote. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. It's tw- it's 2020.
0: Yeah, there's no reason not to.
1: There's no reason. I, I mean, I can see that you're working out of your house right today, right? Yeah. And I'm working out of a car today. Look at that. It's
0: just <laughs> it's crazy.
1: <laughs> um it's just yeah technology has made it so easy and with tools like discord um in fact I'll, I'll talk about another thing that we have we one of our business partners which we we do a lot with an organization BizTech. i know you you've uh, i've seen you interact with some of the posts that of, of the things that we're doing over there at BizTech, mm-hmm. and our partners at BizTech are in spain yeah. i've never i've never worked with them in person
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i don't have to because Skype makes it to where I can have face to face meetings with those partners every day.
0: Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. TV is located in London. One guy works yeah. in Australia. I work here in LA. Like, it's crazy. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. I know, me too. And then with the whole thing with blockchain, you could probably protect everything that you guys create, anyways, with the assets. And so you don't have to worry about people stealing stuff. And things are just changing nowadays where everything's becoming more remote, more safe it it is
1: Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to a day when the bigger studios um realize that Mm because i know that a lot of the bigger studios right now they're still limited on geography you know i i know that for uh, i i know several people that would that would already be working at places like activision or blizzard you know i mean we've got you know people who like blizzard are usually pretty pretty solid fans if they, if they weren't just in two places, right? Austin and, and uh, California. And some people are like, guys, I, I, can't, I can't leave. I can't go to California because my family's in such and such place. Mm-hmm. Or you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm limited by this place. I can't go to Texas. And so when the big studios start to realize that remote work is actually really effective, then they're going to be able to pull from a whole new talent pool. A talent pool of people who do amazing work, but just aren't really willing to relocate. Because they like you know they, they have a again the, who knows what the reason might be I I won't move to California because all my family's here in Texas you know no that makes wife, sense yeah my wife's family's in Utah I might consider living, moving oh. to Utah
0: <laughs> Utah great I was just there over the weekend um, for Sundance and it was oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 it was crazy snow but it was it was beautiful there.
1: It's beautiful, and and you know there's family there, so I, I would consider uh, you know moving there. But even if uh, even if Blizzard came to me and said, "Hey, we want to make you a director of business development," but you got to move to uh, Santa Monica, I'd say, "Sorry, man, Well, can't do it."
0: Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> way of life is really important nowadays. And it you is. Don't really, and now that there are resources where you can be remote, it's like, why should I choose the one that's sticks? You know. I'm stuck to this certain area. I move money, and then they might fire you because the job in the game industry is not very stable when it comes to your job. Like,
1: <sighs> yeah, you, like we said like earlier, remember, they chew you up and spit you out, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember there was like a, a business call for Activision. They just let off like 800 people, and it's just like that's crazy.
1: I remember that. Yeah, when that happened, that was pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. It's hard, man, and uh, you know. I think I think that as as the leadership in the gaming industry becomes younger and younger. You know, I mean, you seem like a pretty young guy, KB. How old are you, man?
0: Twenty two.
1: Twenty two. Look at so, that. So, per- perfect example. So as so, I'm I'm uh, I'll turn thirty two this year. So I'm. I guess I'm still the old guy in the room right now, but that's okay. Um, but as the as the gaming industry leadership, the real leaders become younger and younger hopefully we're going to see that shift because right now, most of the leadership in the industry is, is older mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. But with that comes like, Oh, well, this is how we do business. I need everybody in this one office every day. I need everybody here from this time to this time. I don't really care what your peak hours are. I need your hours of work to be these hours as that leadership moves on. And the younger leadership comes in, it's going to change. It's going mm-hmm. to change because again, my, my generation, your generation, I don't really care if, if people get their work done. I don't care if they work from home or if they take time off. I mean, if they can get their if they can get their workload done in three days, they don't need to come in for five, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, it's just it's a matter of, you know, being able to get things done. Now, some people abuse that system, but most don't. Most people want to do a good job if they're in an industry like gaming. They want to do a good job because they, they love what they do. So they do a good job just because that's who they are. They have to, right? So I look forward to that day. Me too. When, when that shifts and we and we see more of it. We see a lot of it in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, in some of the other, in the software industry. A lot of that leadership is actually pretty young. And so that shift is already happening there. It just, it needs to happen here in gaming.
0: Hmm. It'll come in time. I know, especially with the rise of everything like VR and, and mobile stuff and just just remote stuff, we'll we'll be moving in that direction.
1: I think now, so it's-
0: what game are you guys currently working on in Bad Panda Studios?
1: Yeah, so right now we're working on uh, we're working on a game called Anarchids, and um, there's some some stuff I, I can't talk about still under NDA, but um, there's there is some information out there uh, on uh, anarchidsgame.com, and there's a little bit of information out there on our website and. Um, I think we, we had a we had an article or two that came out on it uh, when we when we really kind of first started rolling it out uh, about a year ago, but um, the idea is we're trying to gamify childhood, oh, is okay. the simplest way. So if you again now you're you're 22, your childhood was a little different than mine, and my childhood was certainly different than my parents. But we're trying to take everybody back to a time where. Video games weren't the only way of entertainment and so kids had to find other means to entertain themselves and a lot of times it ends up being mischief. <laughs> and so the idea is trying to gamify that that mischief. And those night games and you TPing houses and stuff like that and so um, again if you check out the website what we're rolling out with initially is a is a you know is a 4v1 uh, so a asymmetrical kind of like your friday the 13th or dead by daylight but it's instead of it being a horror it's kids causing mayhem and then you've got the the one op player is is like a like a night watchman like a paul blart Cop kind of character <laughs> who's terrible. trying to stop stop the kids from messing up the neighborhood or whatever um but we you know it's <laughs> Everyone that we've showed showed it to and talked to about it, and you know, you know, even investors and publishers, they li- they like it. They're excited about it. I'm I'm excited about it because for me, it's it's just nostalgia, is all it is, mm-hmm. just pure nostalgia. But for some of these younger kids, I'm going to throw you in with younger kids for a second, KB. Sorry, it's all good. <laughs> um, they don't get to do those kinds of things anymore. It's yeah, a different no. world. Like like you go out there and you cause some mischief, or you're you're out tagging stuff, or like. It, the, the consequences are so different, and so I'm hoping we're hoping to kind of give those kids like that experience of being able to do that a little bit. Like, what was it like? But then for for the older guys like myself or even a little bit older, we're just hoping just pure nostalgia. Bring them back, bring them back to a time when that was what they did for fun, and you know, do it in a in a in a cool environment. Now that four v one, that's what we're going to roll out with first. But we've got a whole bunch of other game modes planned and. Um, I would say that Anarchids is what we call an evergreen design, which means it's really we can keep releasing game modes and content for ever if we wanted to. Because, again, think of all the different games you played as a kid that weren't video games. It's en- it's endless. There's so much there. So anyways, that's what we're, that's the big thing we're working on right now. Um, we're really excited about it. And that's about again, that's about as much as I can share. But. I probably shared more than I was supposed to, but it was best.
0: <laughs> I'm excited
1: about it. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I'm excited too. Sounds like a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. And I saw a little bit of the too, Battle Royale 2 or something on the website.
1: Yeah. That's Battle cool. Royale will be a plan, so like if, for Battle Royale, if you can imagine like a a Battle Royale kids next door kind of thing. Oh,
0: that's cool. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm excited. Sign me up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's that. That's kind of what we're going for, and uh, and you can see on the website, it's it's you know we're going for like more of a stylized like a like a Pixar kind of look. I, I'm really excited about it. It's gonna mm-hmm. be it's gonna be fun. No,
0: I'm happy for you, man. I can't wait. <laughs>
1: Thanks.
0: So now, what is the difficult part about running a studio that most people don't know when they're like, I want to run my own studio,
1: oh, man. Um, all right. So one of the hardest things about running a studio is just finding the right people. Um, there's a lot of really cool people in the industry. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less people in the industry that are both cool and are reliable. So if you want to start a studio, reliable people is going to be one of your biggest challenges. The second biggest challenge is just finding, finding money, which it's weird because it shouldn't be a challenge. There's tons of money coming into the space right now. Investors are finally discovering games, and so it's there's money coming into the space. The problem is, is that that money coming into the space isn't really making itself known very well. And I talked about earlier that discoverability was a big issue for games and for early studios. For some reason, discoverability is also a really big challenge for investors. Just for. Because uh, again just—they're just they're just not they're not out there with a big neon sign saying hey by the way I have money I want to invest like so that's a challenge running a studio without money is, is really hard and no. it's and it's expensive Game, yeah. the what the talent that it takes to make games is very difficult to learn and to get good at and because it's skilled labor mm-hmm. it's expensive I mean, I, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people. I mean, program, I pro, mm-hmm. programming, right? Um, not easy. It's not easy, man. Yeah. It's really hard. And I'm
0: learning C I, right now, and it's sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? What is happening?
1: Dude, it's tough. And I think was it? Uh, I was looking at some salaries the other day, and the average the average programmer in the U.S. It's like makes like 103,000 a year. Uh, which, depending on where you live, might be a lot, or it might be, you know, you're, you're in you're in in L A. 103,000 doesn't go quite as far in L A. as it does out here in Texas, mm-hmm. but you know, that's still for a new studio trying to pay that 103 probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> unless you've got some some pretty serious backers, but you know, or, or animators are making in the 70s and 80s, like only within like two years out of school, so yeah, there's. A lot of this labor is very exp- is very expensive. Uh, 3D art requires some calculus to be able to do really well. I mean, it's it's just it's it's hard, and so that's a big challenge for new studios is just finding the money that they need to pay the people that are that are needed. And there's you know certainly in that startup world, there's people who are willing to go on passion and equity, and we have a lot of people like that at, at Bad Panda that are. They're like, hey, listen, man, I'm here for the vision. Like, we believe in, in our kids. we believe in the studio, so we're gonna keep on working until you know until we can get everybody on board. But there's not a lot of people like that, so that's a big challenge. It's most of the challenges are around just people finding good, reliable people, and then finding the money to be able to pay those reliable people. So those are the two biggest ones, and then the third challenge. Um, this actually came up. Uh, this came up from uh, our conference last week. Uh, and this, actually, I've, I've been quoting Math- Matthew Morris. He's a, a director over at Unity. Um, he was saying this is that the biggest challenge right now is that there's just so much to do. There's so many opportunities in the game space, even amongst like different kinds of games, that I think it's going to be very hard for new studios to go start a new studio and decide what the heck you want to focus on. Because, really, the success is only going to come if you're laser-focused on one thing. If you get distracted by all the other little opportunities, it'll prevent you from getting the thing that you should be getting done. Does, it, does that make sense?
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it reminds like, me of the book, just... The One Thing. It's like, you got to focus on that one thing, and otherwise everything gets in the way. And then it's like the, the rabbit thing. It's like, you can't chase two rabbits at the same time. You'll end up chasing none.
1: Exactly. Like that.
0: Yeah, and it's just like you got to focus on that one thing and go laser focus, and if not, it's just you won't be able to make it, especially in the competitive industry like the game industry.
1: 100%. So yeah, you see that, like, you're, there's mobile games, PC games, console games, um, then there's AR, there's VR, and even within the games, there's all these different kinds of games, right? Idle games, there are, you know, MOBA, Battle Royale, first-person shooter, single-player, I mean, there's just, there's so much, and there's so much opportunity, I think that a big, yeah, just a big challenge for trying to start a studio is finding your identity. What is it that we do really well that can help us stand out? That's hard.
0: Yeah, that's hard in everything. For instance, like making like a YouTube channel or brand, you're like, what is it that I am good at yeah. and I want the world to know me? And what is it that just, you know, decide stuff that like I might like but isn't important? That's hard. Absolutely. It's hard for someone like me too. is like start now. it's like, okay, what exactly am I? What do I do? <laughs> How should I brand yeah. myself? But yeah, we just as I go through and reach out and meet people and talk to people and learn stuff, I start to slowly put that together.
1: Absolutely. Well, and especially you know if you're if you're young and you're talented and I mean at, at a startup you have to you have to be able to have you have to be able to wear multiple hats in a startup anyway. Mm-hmm. But that ability to wear multiple hats when it comes to getting jobs done, sometimes it can muddy the vision. Right, and the vision has to be singular, otherwise it's just not it's just not going to get done, so I think that that's a big challenge for most it's it what it's been a challenge for bad panda, even we're aware of the challenge, <laughs> it still has been a challenge
0: It's always the first solution to understand that there is a problem, and how are we going to get there and solve that
1: yes no, That's awesome hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> percent.
0: Now, is there ever a moment where business gets in the way of running the creative work in the game studio?
1: Yeah, always. Uh, So now, now the nice the uh, it's going to happen a lot more when you have people who, again, for for me, not so much, right? Because I'm not doing the creative work. So for me, it's I can always be laser focused, but there's still too much. There's still too much to do for just one person, even for myself. And so in most studios, most studios are only like five people at most. And so business will get in the way because besides making the game, you have to make the game discoverable. You have to have a nice website. You have to be out talking to investors. You have to be on social media doing promotion. You have to be doing all of these things. And by the way, you have to keep track of the accounting and the taxes. Otherwise, you're going to shut down anyway. Uh, On top of all of that, you have to understand the legal aspects of running a business and understand contract law. Otherwise, you might end up with a deal with a publisher that actually puts you out of business rather than putting you in business. Uh, anybody wow. remember what happened to Friday the Thirteenth a couple of years ago? No, <laughs> what happened? publishing deal went bad. Oh wow! <laughs> and that's why Friday the Thirteenth had to shut down for a while. And I think that they ended up working it out, but. Um, you know, or I'll give another great example. Um, do you remember a game franchise called Game Set Radio?
0: Game Set, no.
1: Game Set Radio. So go check it out. Game Set Radio. And they, I think their last game in the franchise was Game Set Radio Future. And it was, it it was definitely like the ultimate 90s kid, uh, mischief experience. And I, I would say we pulled some of our, some of our inspiration from it. But a big pull for the game was they had awesome music. The music was fantastic. It was all like, it was all just like different iterations of punk rock and, and like kind of, you know, acid style, um, rock. It was, it was fantastic. Well, uh, they're not a franchise anymore. And the reason they're not a franchise anymore is that it came out and hopefully I don't get sued for saying this incorrectly, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm about about 99% sure I'm right. They ended up, it ended up coming out that they had actually stolen all their music,
0: but
1: they didn't They didn't get it licensed properly, and so the record companies came and sued the crap out of them. And that studio and that franchise doesn't exist anymore because they failed to get the business side in order. And so does business get in the way of creative uh, development? It can. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to have people in the business that aren't part of the creative effort. You know, and I might sound a little self-serving coming from someone like me, but I can tell you it's it's necessary because there's so much to do on the business side that it's for it to all get done by the same guy that's trying to make the game. It's it's just too much. It's too much. So but um, I would say we we try to do our best to separate that. Um, But, you know, I'd say it comes in ebbs and flows for everyone for everyone else. You know, especially someone like our creative director, Chris, you know, there's he does find himself having to do a lot of business stuff. And so mm. some weeks he gets a ton of creative work done and other weeks it's maybe a little bit more on the business side. So it comes down to having to balance. Mm. Um, but yeah. So, yes. <laughs> does that ball <football> make sense?
0: <laughs> no, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> well, I <that laughs> might just be rambling here. I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no! You, you're, you're helping out everyone because I think everybody forgets the business side, especially with taxes and all that stuff. That's yeah. I think everybody forgets taxes until it hits them in the head.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, what are your thoughts on esports?
1: Oh man, <laughs> um, this is so. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote from somebody else uh, from a couple conferences ago because again, I, I I've had this wonderful opportunity to to interview and. And meet with people who are way smarter than me, um, which I mean, just y- you, you as well, just in the the nature of what you do, doing these interviews, not me, but other people. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there are, if the game the game industry compared to other industries like finance or banking or IT or or cars or aviation, gaming is a toddler. Gaming is a toddler. No, I agree. Now, it's a toddler that did $152 billion in player spend last year, and probably 190 if you look at the total economy surrounding games. And so that's a huge toddler, but it's, the, it's a toddler. Mm-hmm. Esports, if gaming is a toddler, esports is like an embryo, like a <laughs> newborn baby, not, almost not even born yet. It has just barely started. And so my thoughts on esports are it is the wild west and there is, there is opportunity all over the place. But it's also very difficult to see which opportunities are good and which opportunities are bad. So coming from finance, um, the biggest case study in all of finance when it comes to investments that everybody has to study and learn about is uh, late, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, right? the the big the internet boom and bust right so the reason I bring that up is that everyone in the nineties knew that the internet was the future we all knew everybody knew it right and I say we I was a, I was still a kid I, I didn't I wasn't involved in that but you know just as the fight the finance industry we all knew that it was the future the problem is is we didn't know how it was going to be the future exactly and we didn't know which players were going to do it right so for instance back then amazon only sold books no one could have known that amazon would become amazon maybe Japanese yeah that shocked owned.
0: everyone yeah
1: it shocked everybody i mean again like looking back now you're like well how could you not know we're like well no no one knew they were just selling books that's all they were doing and so there were tons of companies that thought they were doing really exciting things that don't exist anymore and there's a lot of companies that were doing some cool things that are around and the people that weathered the storm they became giants right they became monsters so see the, esports oh go ahead
0: Oh no, i was just gonna say i see the same thing happening in the crypto space with yes. all those yeah
1: yeah oh yeah so i was uh i i mean i was still working in wealth management when cryptocurrency became a big topic and i said the same thing to everybody i said look Cryptocurrency is going to be a big part of the future. No question. But trying to pick the right coin now, I'm, I'm sorry, there's just no way. There's no way to know which of these currencies is going to really weather the storm. But is it the future? Yeah, In- inevitably, no doubt. Just like esports. Is esports going to be big? <laughs> it's going to be massive. I think it'll be bigger than traditional sports. Because it's easier to do, it's easier to watch, and uh, pe- players can have much longer careers in esports than they ever can in traditional sports.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've heard Gary V talk about that where it's like soon more people are going to be watching esports and NBA just because of the nature of it and less injuries. More you can do more creative stuff too. You can have a cool type of like you've seen it in movies where people are fighting and jumping around all this stuff. You can have that in like an arena type setting with AR and VR. So the future is going to be crazy. But when it does come, I think it's going to crush everything else that we have now.
1: It will. You know, it used to be the biggest sport in the world. Used to be uh, watching chariot races. We don't do that anymore. So <laughs> I mean, eventually, again, it just it has to change by nature, but. Could you could you pick out of a crowd the esports companies, technologies and teams that are going to be the future whenever the industry matures? I don't no. think so.
0: No, I can't right now. So, because right I mean, now, Legion uh, yeah. is probably Fortnite and then a couple other like League of Legends and all this other stuff. But that's that's now. Who knows what's
1: gonna happen? Yeah, I, th- I think the only thing that we all know is still going to be there is going to be Smash Brothers. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Smash Brothers for life. <laughs> <laughs> just be Smash Brothers. Everything else yeah. is going to change and go. But it's not just the games, though. You know, so when I look at esports, and again, this is this is the way that that I look at it. Esports isn't just the teams; it's also the venues, it's the tech, it's the streaming, it's the support, it's the software that teams use to manage their teams. It's uh, I mean, there's so much to esports that's not, that has nothing to do with the games itself. And that's the part of the industry that I say, look, there is ridiculous opportunity out there. But which opportunities are going to stick? I'm not really sure yet. We're going to see a lot of esports multimillionaires. And then we're going to see a lot of people who maybe lost big in esports. So, you know.
0: It's just the nature of things, yeah.
1: It's just the nature of things. And, you know, it does does it mean stay out of it? No. <laughs> if, you're, if you're passionate about it, go make something happen.
0: Exactly. Go do it. <laughs> if,
1: if you are an investor in the space and you don't have a lot of tolerance for risk, you should probably stay out. Mm-hmm. But if you are an investor that likes to invest in exciting things, spread, hedge your bets, spread out, spread out your investments, and stay for the ride. Mm-hmm. Because there is, there's going to be some really big things that come out of this. So in fact, you and I I was just having I can't I can't uh, say say who just yet, but uh, I was just talking to someone the other day that uh, they used to be a huge uh, team in esports and then they had to take a break for a little while and now they want to come back and so like even even as young as the esports industry is like there's still people are already looking at doing things like comebacks so I don't know it's just there's so much going on I love esports mm-hmm. um, I I don't watch as much as as some people but. I've had a unique ability between Bad Panda and BizTech to really be plugged in and meet some of the really big players, and the stuff they're doing is so cool. It's so mm. exciting, and there's so much. There's just so much ahead.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I remember I saw when uh, Ninja first got big, and there's stuff happened before, and I was like, you know, something's happening here. I'm not sure exactly what, but it's kind of exciting seeing more people, like... And there was, like, Drake and um, Ninja playing. Like, people were starting to be like, wow, games are cool. Because I know we get a bad rep when it's, like, you know, you're just the person sitting here in their basement or, or games aren't very, like... Good for society, but I'm like, no. When you get past esports, and there's some games like Last of Us and God of War, those games have deeper meanings behind them that can give you an experience that you wouldn't find in movies. There's, there's just so much the games that people don't know, and I think esports is a great way to get people to be interested in all gaming.
1: I I, I agree, and it's just again, it, you know, we talked a little bit about the uh, the leadership of gaming being old, and so like they're or older. I want to say too old, but they're kind of stuck in their ways a little bit. And I think that that's really just the rest of the world, though, too, because anyone that you and I went to school with, our generation, everyone plays a game, even if it's just something on their phone that they play while they're using the bathroom.
0: Exactly. Everyone plays
1: something. So I try everyone. to tell people,
0: everything you do is a game, even if it's not digital. Everything is a game it's, it's in its own way. And it you're is. Just, you're playing, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not a gamer. Like, you're playing Candy Crush. You're, you're at a casino. Those are games. Mm-hmm. anything you're doing buddy is a game and they're like oh, i do no. i'm like yep just embrace it
1: <laughs> just embrace it there's no reason to resist it and look games have just evolved we've been playing games as a you know as a human race for thousands of years like it's just this is just the new way to play games but now what's really cool is instead of shooting marbles with the guy next door i can play games with someone in china or Russia, or Australia, or Africa. I mean, when when in history could you do that? And that like in never, never. And and you know, and actually, you know, speaking of Africa, I, I've been networking with a ton of people. The African gaming and esports scene is is blowing up, just like the uh, just like uh, fintech is and cryptocurrency coming out of Africa. There's a lot of awesome things happening. I would never connect with those people. In any other sector uh, or, or any other type of game, it's all it's it's video games and esports. That's cool. It's a, so it's it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> That's all <I> can say. <laughs> it really it really is it really is you know and uh, I know that you know my parents used to say oh well you know games games rob you of the social experience of of being a human and I would argue that actually games provide more of a social experience now than any time in history. Mm-hmm. I mean again I can be friends with people on other continents that I would never ever mm-hmm. meet I it, that's in everyday life
0: always been like a significant part of my life where I like I was kind of shy in school so it was like I didn't have that many friends but all my friends mm-hmm. were like a guy from Belgium a guy from a different state someone in like England like so all these people and they were my friends like I considered them friends and I didn't care if they were far away or not they we had meaningful like talks and we just i learned stuff from them like they would say like hey because one guy was from canada and it's just like it grew on me and my personality now it's like i say hey instead of hey it's just it's just cool how like i'm part of different cultures because of games because of the online community that's I just, right i want more people to experience that and then also with connecting like your same relationships and being social i think when you guys work when someone works together with a friend in a game it builds the relationship builds trust it's like we're doing something together to achieve this goal instead of just chilling around and like watching TV you actually feel connected with your friend
1: absolutely and it's it's authentic right mm-hmm. the the version of yourself that you share with your gamer friends is most likely the real you mm-hmm. versus what you might share with someone that you like go to church with or yes. that you meet at a grocery store or what you show people on facebook Mm-hmm. right i mean I can tell you, <laughs> so traditional social media is not authentic mm-hmm. but the the social interaction in gaming it's usually pretty authentic
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so and, and and again it takes i don't know it, it just takes looking at it through a different lens to see what it really is it can can gaming become destructive absolutely but so can anything yeah so, so can many anything.
0: things can mm-hmm. even yeah. working out Working out too much, use steroids. Boom. What happened? It's just just discipline. Discipline is the key.
1: Absolutely. Or you know, on the flip side of that, again, you know, having been, you know, start, gotten my start in the fitness industry, working out too much and not taking steroids is also detrimental. You can't, you can't work out like Arnold without steroids. He was working out eight hours a day. You can only do that if you're taking anabolics, because then your body can recover. Mm-hmm. But if you are working eight hours a day and you're not recu- you're not giving your body any rest, you're just gonna it's gonna do damage, mm-hmm. right? And so gaming is the same way, right? You, uh, moderation and all things, um, but even you know, be going out and being social, in you know, outside of gaming, too much of that can become destructive too, right? Mm-hmm. I Lots mean, of people like too- to go to the bars. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's look, anything can become destructive mm-hmm. if we if we let it. Video games are just it's just one more way to do things. But it's it's the way that most people are gonna connect in the future. Mm-hmm. You know? And I you know, it's something uh, I I see I see video games actually connecting the world more than isolating people from it, which I think was kind of the fear that most of like our parents and and uh, you know older generation was feared that. Gaming would keep people from the world, but I actually see games being a better way to connect the world mm-hmm. long term.
0: No, I agree. Couldn't have said better. Now let's <laughs> get going.
1: Oh, two more questions.
0: One is, what advice would you give to aspiring game developers? And then I'll tell you the next okay. one after.
1: Advice to aspiring game developers: don't, don't wait. So if you are waiting for your opportunity to get in a big studio or you're waiting for that chance to get a job at a smaller studio or whatever it is that you're waiting for, don't wait. There is tons that you could be doing without, without having to go work at a big studio okay. or even to even have a paying job in the space. And uh, I will, I'm going to use an example. So most of, most of, our, of our employees at Bad Panda… They're not full-time. Most of them are part-time. And they all have full-time jobs. Most of them have full-time jobs doing something else, but they didn't wait. They didn't Mm -hmm. wait until they could get a full-time job doing something else. They found a studio that was doing something exciting. They jumped in, and they started honing their skills part-time. And in the process, earning royalties and, and getting experience and making connections. And so aspiring game developers just jump in. Get something going now and do not rely on your degree to get your job or to hone your skills, get out there on YouTube or the unity videos, unity tutorials or unreal, whatever engine you're working in and keep honing your skills and Mm -hmm. get better because it's going, it's going to become, it already is a competitive space, but it's going to become even more competitive because it's a global space. You're not competing with people in your neighborhood. You're competing with people in other countries who are learning game development and they were actually pretty good at it. So keep don't wait mm-hmm. and keep getting better. Those are that's my advice.
0: Beautiful. I'm gonna take that right now and go. But um <laughs> now- <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and good. then last, we like to do a challenge for all the lectures and the game to the TV courses. So for this podcast, I like to do for you to give them a challenge so they can take action right at the end of this uh, podcast. It
1: could be anything. A challenge, huh? yeah. Um it could be anything. Doesn't necessarily have to be with uh, with game dev TV, huh? Just a challenge to them, huh? Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah. All, right. All right. Here's my challenge. Get on LinkedIn, go find go find an executive at the company that you want to work at and just go connect with them connect okay. with them just send them a connection request send them a, a, a little note that says I'm trying to get into the game industry and I just wanted to know if I could if I could talk to you, ask okay. you a few questions, get some advice because I think that I think that that, uh, that right there is something that will give you direction and it also helps you overcome a little bit of fear. But what's really cool is that most of the executives in the game industry are really cool people and they love helping people. They really do. They love helping people because most of them had a rough start getting, you know, getting going in the industry. And they love the opportunity to help somebody else get started or, or at least give them, give them, you know, point them in the right direction. So my challenge, hop on LinkedIn and go connect with someone high up in one of the companies that you would love to work at or do two or three and just ask them for some advice. Be surprised at what happens. And connect with me. Any of you come find me on LinkedIn Jason schuster I will I will talk to you I have no problem with it I loved i love doing that kind of stuff
0: there you go that's awesome okay and then um, it was amazing having you on Jason I love connecting with you and talking with you and hopefully we can always do another podcast down the line and uh, we'd Absolutely. like to uh, hand the mic to you to end it off if you want to give a shout out to let anybody know you know how to check you out or check out that panda Studios and uh, thanks for coming on
1: Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, come check us out. get Bad Panda Game Studios, follow follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and uh go check out game.com Go check out what we're looking at, what we're what we're looking at doing. And um I I just really appreciate all the people that have helped me get where I'm where I'm at, whether it's through BizTech or Bad Panda Games or um just yeah. A lot, a lot of gratitude. A lot of gratitude.
0: Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all gamedev.tv courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.